Morgan's Organic. We'll get your garden growing great. Oh, that's the Morgan Brothers Guarantee. Good day, mate, and welcome to Scream 101, the podcast where a horror nerd forces his friends to watch horror movies with him, even though they mostly don't like me. I'm Brennan Klein, your host. And I'm Shannon Shalakian, your other host. And today we have a very special episode. Because we have a special guest. And her name is Cassidy Rice, and she's one of my favorite people in the entire world. So let's bring her on. Like, hey, Cassidy, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Brennan? I'm all right. So why don't you tell our good three listeners <laughs> a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Cassidy Rice. I go to school in Portland, Oregon at a tiny little rural arts college called Lewis and Clark. I am a rhetoric and media studies major, and I have hopes of becoming a horror movie producer in the future. Well, um, because you went on this podcast, that will probably happen tomorrow. I'm pretty sure, yeah, and I'm going to have job offers. <laughs> okay, we're good. Keep rolling with it. Okay. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about the horrors, so to speak, that you've had to suffer at my hands. Okay, so to speak. All right. Um, I have had to watch probably at least 100 movies that probably never even got released on DVD because they were that bad. Um, I had to... I don't even know where to begin. Let's start with Memorial Day. Oh, God. um, A film that was filmed with a potato. And that you made me sit through, even though I begged you to turn it off multiple times. But it was Memorial Day. We had to honor the <laughs> veterans or whatever. Nothing the... to do with Memorial Day. Uh, there was all of the zombie diary movies, which were tragic. There were only two. Okay, that was forever. Um, and then we did an entire... Well, this wasn't that bad, but we watched all of the prom nights that ever happened, which was okay, but it was it was an exhausting day. The girl who played Mary Lou was really good. We did We did love Mary Lou. We were a big fan of her. So Cassidy hated Brennan so much, she moved away to Portland, <laughs> and then to I, took, I took her place as Brennan's poor wife. It's true. But also we had some really good times. There were two especially mm. like iconic moments in our friendship. There was <laughs> the time that we watched Wreck, which was like the moment where we became best friends in, in eternity, and that like forged our friendship in the flames of hell. Yeah. That changed our lives forever. It was the middle of summer, like yeah. the middle of the day, and we just felt chills when the credits were rolling. And also the time that we watched Troll 2. I was gonna say Troll yeah. 2. <laughs> and just the ladies seducing the guy with a corn uh-huh. cob. Honestly, if you haven't seen Troll 2, watch it with your best friend, and once the credits roll, you will just be one person, and you will not be the same for the rest of your life. For better or for worse. That movie will change you. Hey, Brennan. Yes? I haven't seen Troll 2. We're going to do an episode on Troll 2. It's going to happen. Perfect. All right, enough about that crap. Our topic for the day is a movie that I have the esteemed pleasure of showing Cassidy for the first time today, an Australian movie that I really like called 100 Bloody Acres. And our discussion today is full of spoilers because we can't resist talking about the entirety of this movie. And the plot of this film, as read from the back of the Doppelganger releasing DVD, is... The Morgan brothers are struggling to keep their organic blood and bone fertilizer business afloat. Their secret recipe, using dead car crash victims in their product, was once a boon. But now months have passed since their last find. 
When younger brother Reg, Damon Harriman of Justified, stumbles upon three stranded travelers, he cooks up a radical solution to their supply problems, in hopes of finally gaining the respect of his bossy big brother Lindsay, Angus Sampson, Insidious. A witty, gory blend of Australian humor and horror tropes, the Cairns Brothers' 100 Bloody Acres is a bloody good time. Hmm, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> Wasn't it, you guys? Oh, absolutely. Alright, let's jump right on into the discussion. Our first topic of discussion for the day is scariness, and we rate it out of five screams. Well, first of all, 100 Bloody Acres is a horror comedy, so I honestly, I rated it one out of five screams. What about you guys? I also rated it one out of five screams. Yeah, I rated it one out of five screams, it, mostly because the scariest part about it would be the reality of the humor and how dark it is, humor-wise. Yeah, it wasn't, it's not, it's not a nail-biting film. It's... I guess you would call it a comedy horror film. You'd have to switch around the hyphenate. It's it's a good film, it's just not scary. It's more like a grisly comedy. Yeah, I'd say it has some cringy moments in it that kind of make your, <laughs> your toes curl a little bit, but I wouldn't say it's anything that would keep me up at night. Yeah, you're not, you're not screaming in the aisles, you're not puking up like at The Exorcist <laughs> or anything. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> puking up. Whatever. <laughs> I make up my own slang. Like I'm in good. the 80s again. Here we go. Alright, and the second order of business is usually campiness. We'll still rate it out of five perms because I love perms, but because this is a horror comedy, we're gonna be silliness, funniness, something of that variety. So for funniness, I'm gonna give it four out of five perms Ooh. because I am tickled by this movie. Okay, you guys, what are your ratings? I gave it a two out of five Alright, you guys, that's fine. Um, I thought, I mean, it, it had its charms, that, that definitely goes without saying, but it wasn't laugh out loud. I don't think I chuckled audibly at any point. It was charming and all, but I don't, I think it kind of fell flat in a lot of places. I mean, I feel like it's very satirical, you know, it's like reading Candide. You don't laugh out loud, but you understand what's going on. Have you read Candide? I have indeed. Congratulations. Thank you. We read Candide. I didn't. Oh, I thought I had to do that. What class were you in? I don't know. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I could understand why logically it would be funny and why those moments were meant for humor, but I think the only times that I really laughed were when the just stupidest character was saying the stupidest possible things. It wasn't really comedic genius. Oh my god. Eyebrow. Oh, so I so I rated um two out of five as well. Wow, maybe I'm just a secret frat bro at heart or something. Or maybe you just love Reg way too much. I, I do. Can. Okay, the main character of this film is basically... He's... I guess he's Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Mm -hmm. Like, he's kind of like a dopey younger brother of this... The organic fertilizer farm people who are using these dead bodies to boost their business. And he's kind of dumb, and he's super innocent, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just kind of like this dumb little baby boy in this man body and he's adorable and he drinks a juice box and he's great and I just I love the comedy in this movie maybe I just am more in tune with the Australian sense of oh, humor okay. <laughs> I just I'm so sophisticated with the Outback I don't know there's a part where um his big older brother who's played by Angus Sampson has this tiny tiny cut on his arm and they're doing the part where he's lumbering around chasing him around this big warehouse and he just tosses the keys at him and it hits him in the wound, and he's like, ow! And it's just the, it's the part that we're supposed to be the big part where he's chasing him around. It's just this tiny little moment. I just really like... It's, it's just really subtle, sophisticated humor, you guys. Mm, okay. Okay, so the next score is 
gore, and we rated on from one to five severed limbs. All right, and I'm gonna start off by saying that I I rated it like if there was like half scoring, which I know we don't do, it would be like a three and a half between three and four. Um, but I I gave it a four just because they had some really good blood effects, and as we've seen with the last two movies that we reviewed, blood effects are probably some of the harder things to do well, and I feel like they did it really well and made it very um, realistic. First of all, I rated it three out of five severed limbs. I think they had a pretty good combination of, I think I saw a little teensy bit of CGI blood in there, but there was just enough, most of it was practical that I could tell. It was really, really great. People were getting covered in blood. There wasn't, it wasn't a gore fest, but there was enough that it was like keeping you going. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I also gave it three out of five limbs, like two arms and a leg. Um, <laughs> it was it was interesting, and I Ooh, think what's the fifth they... limb? What? Mm. Oh, just shut up! Gross. I don't think about that. Gross. Um, <laughs> you know, the rag. Um, <laughs> but I gave it um, I gave it three out of five because I thought that they utilized the blood because it's called a hundred bloody acres. But I do think it fell short a little bit in some areas where they could have made it a little more bloody acre-y. <laughs> that's a all right maybe like 101 bloody acres you know there is one really great sequence where a metalhead is being ground up in a meat grinder and it's just he's getting like sucked into the thing yeah that's true there, there's that one good scene like there is gore there is involved stuff. there's some pretty good gore yeah but i mean i feel like when you say 100 bloody acres i was kind of hoping it would do like an evil dead where like the blood comes out of the land oh and, yeah that's know. fair i was hoping for some some of that it for the budget that I assume that it was working with... Three dollars. <laughs> yeah, it it did pretty well for itself. Yeah, definitely. Especially not using a lot of CGI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, this is one of those movies where you can't expect anything. Like, the, the title is very horror genre, but this movie is not typical horror. It's true. It's more of a, like, satire of the backwoods torture type thing. Yes. And for overall quality, what would you guys rate it? I rated it a three. Um, I mostly rated it a three because Brennan has informed me that I that I had seen this movie before and I could remember some parts of it, but I couldn't remember the whole movie and I don't really really remember when we were watching it or what were the conditions or why I wasn't watching it. It's because you're texting the whole time. Okay. Whatever. Anyway. Rude. The point being is that it wasn't memorable the first time I watched it, um, and I really liked it this time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and, yeah, just three. Yeah, I gave it, I give it a three in quality as well. Um, mainly because I felt like it had, I mean, obviously it used its budget wisely. I mean, there was no parts where I was like, and that's because they didn't have a dollar. But, um, I thought it was, it was well put together and well edited. I just really, I really felt like the script could have been a lot more interesting, a lot more dynamic. Um, especially since they had a lot to work with. I mean, they had good actors in it, and I think that they had um, a lot of talent, so I felt like it, it could have done a little more in the comedy area, or at least in comedy or the horror area. Yeah, for overall quality for me, I gave it four out of five unlucky stars. I Obviously, I have a soft spot in my heart for this film more than anybody else. I think I'm the person in my life that has responded biggest to this <laughs> film out of everybody that I've shown it to. I respond to... Every single actor in this film, I think, overall, the biggest strength this film has is the cast. Damon Harriman, who plays Reg, which is basically the m- biggest character in the film, is perfectly cast as the like man-child character. Right. He has the biggest arc and the most to work with. But also, uh, Anna McGann, I think, who plays Sophie, which is the redhead girl that he captures and kind of falls in love with. 
Um, she has a lot of really good material. And uh, Jamie Christian, who plays Wes, who is this like acid trip stoner character who's just wandering around to get his hand cut off and he's really worried about finding his hand. I think he really kind of plays to the rafters and has a lot of fun with it. I think, and oh, and Angus Sampson especially, he's this big gruff, like he really finds, like he's very intimidating, but also he finds a lot of really subtle humor in his character. I think everybody does a really good job with the script. I think that there's some interesting things about like the little brother transitioning into becoming a man. It's a cool movie. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect film. There's not a lot of gore in there. I know I'm reading more into it than everybody is. That more than everybody else gives it credit for, but I really enjoy it. Any any closing thoughts on that? Hey, Brennan, do you like the film? I like mm -hmm. it a lot. Okay, four out of five. Like, I'm not saying it's a perfect film. It's not like wreck. Right. Yeah, it's not it's not wreck. Mm -hmm. But I just I think it's a cool movie. You should check it out. Now we get to move on to everyone's favorite segment, which is the champion dialogue. All right, Cassidy, since you're a very special guest, we will players first. Would you like to preface? Yes, I would. Um, so this is at the beginning of the film where the three hitchhikers realize they are getting captured and that they're getting tied up. And the girl of the film calls Reggie, the kind of bonehead little brother character, um, a psycho. And this is his response. We're not psychos, all right? We're small business operators. Yeah, that, that line is probably like the iconic line of the film. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think it's the reason it resonated with me is just his, the look on his face is just so earnest when he says it, and I think a lot of people who actually are small business owners probably feel like psychos a lot of the time, so I felt like he just earnestly was like, hey, we're not psychos, I'm just a small business owner, and it was kind of, it was like his one moment, in my opinion, of like being charming and not annoying. Yeah, yeah like he's we're trying so hard. Yeah, and we're being a business owner. Yeah, it's like we're trying to succeed. Like, yeah. they're out in the outback. It's really hard to get a foothold in the business because there's not a lot of opportunity for customers out there. Like, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of opportunity. Yeah, it's not the land of opportunity. It's yeah. Australia. Who lives there? It's bloody acres. Everybody dies. God. Everything's poisonous. Everything's the worst. Yeah. All right, Shannon, so what was your champion dialogue? So... My champion dialogue comes from the character that I hate the most, but was, like, probably the comedic relief of the entire film. Um, his name is Wes. He's this just junky asshole who ends up, you know, taking acid while in the back of the van at the very beginning of the movie, and for the rest of the movie is just off his face, just reacting to colors and sounds and, you know, acid trip. And he says, he, he comes out of the boot of a car and says, they the want trunk. my... The boot. It's Australian. <laughs> it's Australian. The trunk. And, and he says something along the lines of, he wants my potassium. No, he wants my potassium. I mean, I guess that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a logical thing to say, like, help me, he wants my potassium. But for anyone who is not actually aware of the situation, about how he's, these people are harvesting them for their potassium levels as fertilizer, would just think he's, oh, wait, tripping on acid. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's a great line. See? Comedy gold. And my favorite line is when Reg, the resident man-child, tries to give his big heroic speech and these are his results. Can't you see? Right now, it's not about what we did do or didn't do, but what we do do. Because sometimes what you have to do is... I don't know why I keep saying do, but, well, what I mean is... You can't 
undo what you've done, but you can do... Oh, God. I'm not real good at these big speakers, but you know what I mean, right? Look after your mates, eh? It's time for me to... do it. And maybe I'm not as incredibly intelligent as I thought I was because I really responded to his use of the phrase doo-doo. So there you go, everybody. Any, any last thoughts on Champion Dialogue, you guys? Doo-doo. <laughs> All right, so follow Champion Dialogue is actually going into our favorite character. I like that we do favorite character after Champion Dialogue because I feel like they coincide usually, or at least, you know, the listener base can have a good perspective of who the characters are based on this dialogue before getting in, we get into it. So That's just good screenwriting. Oh, look at us, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, so my favorite character was Sophie, Soph, um, and she is this kind of just very, she, like, owns her sexuality and, you know, comes in with a shotgun in the end and has this sort of, like, she's out and about in the world and has this boyfriend and these this, like, fling on the side, but she also is a country girl at heart and really, like, appeals to Reggie in that way, so not only the physical way, but in this sort of emotional space where they're kind of from the same world, and I just really enjoyed that character. And she loves all the silly country songs that play on the radio. Cassie doesn't like her? No. Why not? My favorite character... Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Sophie's cute and all, but my favorite character is Aunt Nancy. Aunt Nancy <laughs> is the best character in this entire damn film. She has, like, about 30 seconds of screen time, probably if you screened it all together. Most of it is when she's engaging in some sexual content. But she basically comes in and is just, like, this kind of mean, like, old lady in the first couple scenes who, like, makes fun of the teenagers for, like, making fun of dead people, whatever. And then she comes in as the aunt of both the main characters in the film and is basically like, you shut up, you shut up, give me some pumpkins, peace. I mean, granted, she dies at the end, but, like, she lives it out. She is, she's everything. She's every woman. In her short time, she knows how to live. Yeah, she got pumpkins, she made some tea, she <laughs> engaged in uh, some sexual content, and peace. And she's hella old, by the way. Like, she's really old, and <laughs> she's living the dream. All right, and my favorite character was Reg, obviously. Ooh. I don't think I really need to go super far into it. But I just think, first of all, Damon Harriman, I just think he did a really good job. He did. I think he did. I think he made that character really layered, and he could have just been, like, really one note, like, really, really creepy. But I think he did a really good job of humanizing that character and making you sympathize with him. Mm-hmm. And showing, like, hey... He's not that bad a guy. And kind of being like, you know what? He's kind of a credible romantic lead in this super weird, really dark movie. Yeah, right. the, the movie's really weird that way because Reg, in the beginning, kind of accidentally kidnaps these people, you know? Yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He wants to do the good thing. And he, he it's because he's attracted to Sophie um, initially. But he I wants mean, to do the right thing and um, puts him in the back of, this, of his van. And then they discover the body, which means that now he's in deep water and has to do something with these people who already know and that's when you know he's making all these like really like cute foolish errors and isn't actually the dark one and it's it's an interesting part of this movie where by the end you you actually connect with him and you are rooting for the bad guy yeah well because he's kind of forced to do this by his older brother and like he's he's still implicit like he's still doing these things he's not a good person but you're, like, rooting for him to break free from this vicious cycle. 
And I am down for that. Jumping off of Cassidy's favorite <laughs> character, I'm going to just barrel right on into my favorite scene, which involves Aunt Nancy. <laughs> which is... Um, Aunt Nancy stops by for some of Lindsay's pumpkins, and Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay is Reg's older brother, who is Angus Sampson, this big, burly, bearded man. And she's like, oh, honey, you're so tense. And she doesn't realize that he has three teenagers tied up in his shed that he wants to turn into fertilizer. And he's covered in their blood. And she goes to make him some tea. She gives him a nice shoulder massage. We should make a point to say that we believe that they're not actually related. Ah, uh, yes. And that she is, like, the endearing, like, <gasps> friend <gasps> person who they, like, they call Kindly aunt. older neighbor. Yeah. So just keep that in mind, gentle viewers. Anyway, it takes a very short time for his tongue to end up inside her underwear, basically. And <laughs> it's hilarious. And then his younger brother has to steal the keys off of his belt. That, and it, it's great. There's some sound effects. It's really funny. Aunt Nancy's getting it. And go Aunt Nancy. And I love Aunt Nancy. So what were your guys' favorite scenes? More Aunt Nancy. <laughs> Um, well, we, we both have the same favorite scene, actually, and it also involves the asshole character. It's the only thing we've ever agreed on. <laughs> in our lives. Um, but yeah, so, I'm gonna title it Acid Trip in Fairyland, and Cassie, do you want to describe it? Sounds like an yeah. Alice in Wonderland book. It literally has an Alice in Wonderland scene in it, so, mm. thank you, Alfredo. You're welcome. Um, but, so, basically... Douchey character, number one. Um, am I allowed to say douchey character? Yeah. Sure. Okay. You said Let's asshole it. earlier. Uh, that's true. Here we go. Um, we'll see what iTunes has to say about yeah, it. Thanks, iTunes. Um, Apple. Um, what am I... Okay, so the Fairyland scene takes place where the worst character, Wes, I think is his name, mm -hmm. um, tries... He, he's the only one that breaks free, and he takes the giant van and like drives to this abandoned outdoor museum kind of thing. It's like, a, it's like a theme park. Yeah, but there's no rides. It's just, like, different displays of these, like, puppet characters. It's and like, like... But I feel like it's rural Australia. Like, this is, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure this is, like, the activity to do. Yeah. So, it's, like, all of these different buildings with, like, puppets set up in, like, Alice in Wonderland tea party kind of scenes or, like, random fairy tale scenes. And the dude's tripping on acid, and so of course he's like, he gets in, my favorite part of this is when he gets into one of the exhibits, and sits down with all these puppets, and is like trying to have tea and like laughing with these puppets, and then tries to seduce this lady, and then starts crying because he feels bad for seducing her, and like he just goes on this long tangent. Meanwhile, this, the Lindsay character is like trying to kill him, but he's like too busy dining with some <laughs> puppets to get his life together. <laughs> And it's just, it's a great scene full of the only thing good about the film, so... <laughs> oh, three out of five, whatever. whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the lady that he tries to seduce is also a mannequin, and it's just, yeah. it was great. It was a good scene. All right, and let's move on swiftly to one of our newer segments, which is the Reading Rainbow, in which we read into a film. Ha 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 ha. Um, okay. free Reading Rainbow theme. And the question that we're going to analyze is, is this film's treatment of sexuality feminist or progressive in any way? And Shannon, would you like to lead us into this? Certainly. So some of the really good things about the film, obviously, are both Nance and... There's only two women in the entire film. 
and they don't talk to each other, uh, and they don't, I mean, they have names, but they don't hold a, a really long conversation. I think Soph says sorry to Nance. So does that very... pass the Bechdel test? No. No. <laughs> They're both very um, sexual. You know, Nance gets it, and Soph is perceived to have gotten it in the past, especially with, with Wes, who is not her boyfriend. Well, the point is that Sophie is cheating on her boyfriend, James, who I don't think we've mentioned because he's just a wet mop. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's literally nothing. He's the worst. I mean, like, he's not the worst, but... Wes is the worst? I think Wes is but, the worst. Well, okay. She's cheating on James with Wes, who's a douche, but he's hot. And James is, like, the total, like... He's a working stiff. Yeah, he's a working stiff. Like, he's got the 4K... What's the... Oh 401k? Oh, yeah. oh my god, this is a rough time. He's got the 401k, and he's got a ring, and he's going to propose to her at a John Butler concert, and the whole plan, and uh, and Wes is a, is a loose cannon, and, and wants to get, you know, wasted, and whatever. Yeah, so the point is, she's not satisfied in her relationship, and she's cheating. And we are not arguing whether or not that makes her a good person. But she is engaging sexually in somebody else. And the, a great bulk of the conversations in this movie revolve around her sexuality. People calling her a slut, people calling her a whore, often to the detriment of their survival. Like, James's entire character in the second act of the movie, after he gets the tape ripped off of his mouth, mouth is calling her a slut and or trying to beat up Wes. Like, blaming Sophie for her indiscretions and not actively trying to survive. Yeah. And Whereas... Sophie actually uses her sexuality in order to try to seduce Reg because Reg is in a position of power and can let them out and let them escape, which is refreshing to me because I feel like a lot of times um, when they're facing a madman sort of situation, the characters won't do anything that it it would take. Like, they wouldn't, like, revert to their primal instincts in order to survive. It's more like they'll do something that is, you know, appropriate or or etc. Yeah, I just think... I think this film has a really interesting depiction of sexuality. It's not exactly feminist because it ha- it's got all of this um, very hyper-masculine stuff. It has a lot of slut-shaming in it, and it doesn't have a lot of feminine viewpoints. But it also has a lot of um, satirical content where the slut-shaming people are punished. For kind- well, kind of uh, tangentially, but they kind of get what's coming to them by doing what they're doing. Like, they aren't... they don't succeed right. beyond doing that. Yeah, I have a little bit of a varying opinion um, than these two do on the whole feminist thing. I think the film is progressive, but I also have a problem with the lack of, one, representation of women in this film, um, and two, I feel like Sophie's character is constantly just being sexual, and I I think I would have forgiven that and said it was more of a feminist film if at the end she hadn't turned back and gone to save Reggie. Um, she had this great opportunity to just run off um, and go with James and get safety, but she comes back and tries to save him. And that was a little too Stockholm syndrome for me. And I feel like if she really was going to go through the whole, you know, rebirthing process, becoming a stronger woman, that uh, she wouldn't have come back and tried to save him, but just taken her, realized that this guy had tied her up and booked it instead of, you know, accepting the engagement ring that he hands her at the end of it, uh, which was, it, it was just a little rough for me. However, Nancy, feminist, Glory, <laughs> um, she's the best character, obviously, and I think she's the most feminist character. 
in the in the whole film, but I think it's progressive, but I, I would not call this a feminist film. I really, I totally accept your viewpoint, especially with the engagement ring thing. <laughs> um, I think it really hinges on your acceptance of, and I'm going to bring it up again, Damon Harriman's performance as Ridge. Exactly uh, yeah. like so true. his humanization of that character. Like you true. need to accept his layers and you need to accept that he is not guilty of those things mm -hmm. in order to think that that final shot of him handing her that ring is cute and not demeaning. Right. Yeah, I agree with like, that. Like, because I didn't see it as a, like, oh, like, heteronormative whatever. I was mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, this is cute. I don't see it as, like, oh, they're going to get married because right. that's dumb. Like, I was like, he thinks this is cute. They're not going to, like, go beyond this. Mm -hmm. I was just like, he's being dumb again. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is adorable. Yeah, I, to I totally understand that. And I, I think that, I mean, what was she going to do? Just, like, not accept it? Yeah. But I think that, I think my main thing of that is just, I, I appreciate her coming back, you know, trying to save the guy. But one, she doesn't even end up saving him. He saves himself in, in reality. I mean, she doesn't even shoot him. Yeah. Which is, like, a little disappointing. Um, but also, I feel like it's it kind of falls apart at the end right there. And I think, okay. I think both characters kind of go into the trope of, like, and we all lived happily ever after kind of thing. And it's kind of like, no, girl. But on go. the other hand, he does say explicitly... You know, he's the one who says, you know, I called you all these mean things. I said you weren't a real lady. I'm sorry, that was wrong. And the, at the very beginning when we're talking about how Reg kind of allowed her to enter the truck, or allowed he allowed her to enter the truck and, and for them to start on this journey because he was attracted to her, um, he makes this turnaround where it's no longer about the objectification because she's no longer like all those other women, and especially like, um, who is it, Rebecca... Gilroy, yeah. who he is um, pleasuring himself to, uh, you see in the film. And he comes around and says, you know, I'm sorry I said those things to you. You are real. And actually, when James is lowered from, from the conveyor belt and, and the duct tape gets ripped off his face, James calls her all these mean things. And Reggie actually slaps him, um, which is some of the most uh, direct action we've seen from Reggie to begin with, because he's been <laughs> under this abuse of his brother um, but it's in defense of Sophie, and so, yes, it was weird that Sophie turned back to go for him, but at the same time, like, I felt, thought it was cute, and it and actually, Cassie, I wanted to ask, would you feel differently if she had gone back, killed, uh, Linz, and then taken the ring that Reggie had offered to, offered to her and walked away with him still hanging from the conveyor belt? I think I would have, and I also think that I'm, I might be looking at this differently than, you know, taking it as, like, oh, against slut-shaming versus feminism, because I think those are kind of... I mean, they're related, but I think they're That's different. True. So That's I true. definitely look at this as being an anti-slut-shaming film. I just don't know if I see it as a feminist film. But I do think I, I do think it might have been an interesting alternative ending if she had saved the day and it's been like, bye, like, you're welcome for nothing. Yeah. I think that would have been a big moment. I think that would have been... I think maybe that would have changed the film for me and been a little more feminist if she had owned herself a little more there. That's true. You're fair. That, that, that's right. And especially because this was more Reg's film than it was Sophie's film. Yeah, abs for sure. For sure. All right. I think we can decide that we're undecided, which <laughs> I think is the theme of this podcast anyway. So let's uh, move on to the games, which is more of a fun discussion anyway. Let's go. Alright, let's get ready for a nice steamy round of Boff, Mary Kill. Let's start with the men. Alright, uh, let's do uh, James, who is the nice 401k boyfriend, Reg, who is my favorite character, or Wes, who is uh, the fairy tripping on acid. Let's go. Cassie, what would you do? 
Uh, I would... Oh, no. None of these characters are good. I <laughs> disagree. I would buff Wes. Yeah, like so. I'd kill Reg. I'd probably marry James for the security. Whatever. <laughs> Reggie, okay, Reggie is like... Super unintelligent. How are you ever going to whatever? That's he's fine. A, he's a successful independent businessman. Who's also gonna have like a couple of felonies on him. Okay. <laughs> but that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. I would buff Wes. I would marry Reg because he has an infinite supply of juice boxes. <laughs> and a successful independent business. And he loves music. And I would kill James because he's useless and he's a wet mop. I would I would buff James because I really hate Wes. Like more than James. <laughs> And, because James wasn't horrible in the beginning, he just got horrible after he found out that his girlfriend was, uh, you know, Yeah, yeah, just around. don't cheat on him. Yeah, just don't cheat on him. Well, I, I'm not planning on staying with him, I just want to, you know, buff and run. <laughs> um, but I would, I would kill Wes and I would marry Reg. Alright, fair. Alright, moving on to the women, of which there weren't very many, so I had to kind of make up one. Um, what? so, buff, marry, kill, Sophie, the main character, Aunt Nancy, or... Rebecca Gibney, the uh, lady on the magazine covers plastered all over Reg's trailer. Okay. I would for sure marry Nancy. Mm -hmm. um, I would... Oh no. I would probably... Can I boff Sophie and then kill her? And then just be done with it like that? Yeah, that's fine. I have no feelings, positive or negative, towards poor Rebecca. That's fine. <laughs> um, I would I would marry Aunt Nancy too, because she knows how to like... Make Good pumpkin degree. pie. She knows yeah. how to get it in. It's a great time. Um, uh, I'd buff Sophie because she knows, like, she knows all the ways to do it. No. She's done it with everybody. <laughs> um, and I, you know what? I would probably also kill her because Rebecca doesn't deserve that. She's having a good time somewhere really far away. So Rebecca's just out. She's just like not in this category. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, I needed three. That's fine. I would marry Sophie because Ooh. whatever, because she's the country gal. Shannon likes her southern ladies. Yes, yeah, seriously. Whatever. Um, I would boff and kill Nancy because despite despite uh, in her old age, it's fine. Uh -huh. Well, I mean, like despite all of the things, the remarks that you said about her being feminist, and I totally agree, and she's super awesome. But I don't know. I didn't really connect with her character. So. She was there for like 10 seconds. That's true. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. All right. And our next game is another fairly new addition to the podcast. It's the Smackdown game where we pit off people from two different movies. So this is the Angus Sampson round. So this is a Cassidy-centric round. Woo-woo. So um, who do you think would win in a fight? Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Lindsay Morgan or Tucker from Insidious? Tucker. I mean, no, no, that's not true. Yeah, well, because Tucker's kind of like the nerdy paranormal investigator character. I just love Tucker. Or Lindsay Morgan, who's more of like the gruff, like, right. he's like bearded, like burly, but also right. he's kind of bumbling. They're both bumbling, really. Yeah. All right, so here's but, my explanation for okay. this. I pick Tucker would win because Tucker in the Insidious films has incredible luck. Like, he, like, you remember that scene where they're in the fight and there's, like, you know, the word is quesadilla, like, uh -huh. and they just, they mess themselves up and there's this taser and, like, whatever, I don't think it's a taser, never mind, but there's a big mess. But I think he would win just because he's so, just done and just so, like, God, just help me get out of here, that I feel like he could outsmart Lindsay or maybe just outluck Lindsay, whereas Lindsay, I think, is more of a, 
get to it kind of guy who is not the smartest. I mean, he's very in endeared with his pumpkins. Um, oh, and he's so slow. He takes really a long slow. time to think about everything. Yeah, like, whereas, he did get to it with Nancy, too. Okay. He did get to it with Nancy, but I think maybe that's a little bit of a distraction. I mean, Tucker always will have a soft spot in my heart. <laughs> a soft spot in my heart. Um, so I, I have to pick him for winning. Okay, that's fair. I agree. And let's uh, scoot right along to mm -hmm. our recommendations. Uh, Cassidy, what would you recommend for people who agreed with you? Right. Or, or people who want a better version of what you want from this film? So people who just think I'm cool. Yeah. Um, so I have to recommend um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It is a 100% better version of this film. I know you're going to be mad. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a comedy horror, and I think it's a lot funnier and a lot more endearing than this film was. Um, so if you're into that whole comedy kind of... Um, a little bit of a play on tropes and things like that. Um, John and uh, <laughs> John Tucker and Dale versus Evil is kind of the same thing, but it takes place at a cabin in the woods. Um, so it plays on all of those uh, common tropes found in those films. And my recommendation is actually also a cabin in the woods horror comedy. It's a Norwegian zombie film called Dead Snow. You should check it out. It's actually one of the comedy films that, or one of the horror films that Cassidy and I watched together that wasn't the worst film that has ever existed. I've seen it multiple times. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. See, I don't only make her watch crap. Yeah. And Shannon, what is your recommendation? Um, so my recommendation is solely based off of the blood effects that happened in this film. Um, so if you really like the blood effects and you want to watch another movie with excellent, excellent blood effects, and this might be a movie that I recommend other times for different reasons, but um, I am recommending Inside. That's what it's called, right? Yes. Inside. Yeah. It was really good. It is a French film, also known as Al Interior. Yeah, and it is great, and there is buckets of blood, and that's all you really need. And that just about wraps it up for us. Shannon, would you like to let our humble audience know how to contact us? Certainly. So, like we said, our social media empire is set up. We have Facebook, Scream 101 Podcast, Twitter, at Scream 101 Pod, Tumblr, scream101podcast.tumblr.com, email, scream101podcast at gmail, and iTunes, which is scream101podcast. We're, we're there. You can subscribe, rate, and review, and thank you so much for listening to the end of this. I know it was a little longer than usual because of uh, our guest hosts. We like to give a little extra time. Our ethereal and beautiful guest. Thank you so much for coming on, Cassidy. Round of applause. Yay! And finally, we have The Clue and our song. So, Brennan? What is uh, our clue? Next week, we will be celebrating my 21st birthday with one of the Friday the 13th final girls, though she will not be turning the same age that I am. Scream 101 podcast is produced by Shannon Chalakian and Brennan Klein. This episode was recorded out of order and thus was not recorded by our new sound engineer, Lucas Cathy. Though you could not tell at all, anything you may have heard was a figment of your imagination. And we will be playing you out with The Sheik of Scrubby Creek by Chad Morgan. All the sheilas think I'm handsome. Their fathers think I'm mad. Their mothers think I'm a villain. But I'm just a lovable lad I'm loved by the poor and the wealthy Loved by the good and the bad Loved by the fat and the skinny Because I'm a lovable lad
been chased by fathers with shotguns of all kinds. And you can tell where they have aimed by the marks that's left behind. I don't know why they do it, cause I'm not really bad. I just chase their daughters because I'm a lovable lad. It's a dangerous game I'm playing. You've got to be quick to laugh. When you're at the wrong end of a shotgun, you run quick or cop the full blast. You'll never see me linger where there are sour old tarts. And you can tell where I have been by the trail of broken hearts. So parents do take warning. And heed what I say Keep your daughters out of sight When I come round your way For they say I'm just like Casanova I drink, I smoke, I swear They say I'm the sheik of Scrubby Creek But I don't care Bye. Bye.